Welcome to episode 48 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined in virtual studio by my co-host, my colleague, my good friend, and a man who is, this week at least, a man of leisure, John <laughs> Scott Sloat. Yeah, yeah, vacationing a little bit for me, so just just popping in to do the pod. No, no other work this week, so... Well, I, I, I'm sure uh, our listeners feel honored that you would take time out from your vacation to keep the streak alive. Yeah, I even I even packed my podcast mic in the uh, in the luggage so that so that we could do this. Excellent, excellent. So, uh, would you would you like to disclose where you are joining us from, John? Sure, uh, the greater St. Augustine area. <laughs> okay, and an undisclosed location near St. Augustine. Yeah, yeah, Florida. Yeah, and they do call it St. Augustine, not St. Augustine. I don't. I think it's St. Augustine. I don't know. Okay. We we just got here last night, so we're we're still. We haven't really talked to anybody. So, gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, I'm sure it's a little colder here in uh, Warsaw, one on the lake, than it is there in uh, in in lovely Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Andrea and I had a, I think a two hour walk on the beach this morning, uh, shorts, t-shirts, 75 degrees went and, uh, there's a little lake behind the condo here. We had turtles running up to us this morning. So yeah, a little, little warmer here. Nice. A little, little, little bit warmer here. How, how is it in Indiana right now? Well, here, here we've missed the, we, we were supposed to get anywhere between an inch to three inches of snow and, uh, the system missed us here in Warsaw, but to the east of us, there's there's actually snow happening. So uh, I'm not sad at all to miss out on on the snow. So well, no shuffling, right? Yeah, though I do have a uh, uh, I do have a snowblower now. Oh, really? That uh, that well, it's my neighbor's. So it's my he, he's like 76, I think, and so last couple winters we had shoveled his driveway just you know don't want him out there and hurting himself and sure finally he comes out and he's like well i got a snowblower i can let you use why don't you keep it in your in your garage and then you can just do my driveway and you can have it to use whenever you need it all right snowblower is quick work i mean that moves through snow Unfortunately, it's probably a little too big, though. It's a little bit of a beast to maneuver. I, I'd yeah. like a size smaller to make it a little bit more maneuverable. But yeah, and your driveway's not that big. It's not. No, no. So anyway, uh, we would love for you, our listeners, to connect with us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at V and S pod. You can email the show various and sundry podcast at gmail.com. And we do have a Facebook page that you can check out and like and follow. So we'd appreciate if you did that. And uh, if you'd like, we would appreciate you visiting the uh, Apple podcast app and leaving us a five-star rating. And if you would be so kind, even writing a review would be helpful. Apple has their own little magical algorithm that helps people find podcasts they might like. So the more reviews and the more ratings we get, the more likely it is that people will find the podcast. So uh, if you're willing to do us a solid, we would love to love to have you do that. So let's start with uh, yeah, and no, no new reviews this week, right? No, no new reviews this week. That's correct. Okay. Okay. That's correct. So 
I wasn't going to bring it up. I don't want to be perceived as the one who's beating that drum. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, no, 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 no. I didn't, not, not to browbeat anybody. Just, just want to give a, a you know, regular update. <laughs> Status update. Okay. Gotcha. So let's talk some sports, John. Uh, we, we, uh, we're recording on Monday afternoon. So uh, the most of week 12 in the NFL is done. Still two games, one game tonight, and then one game tomorrow night. We should probably start with our uh, New York football jets update, John. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually watched uh, part of the game this week uh, being in uh, Florida. They played Miami. So, so I got the game here locally and uh, was able to see some encouraging things. We have a safety named Marcus May. That's very encouraging. We have uh, uh, Mims, our wide receiver. That's very encouraging. Our left tackle, the, the mountain man from Louisville, very encouraging, you know, so, so there are encouraging things, but we still lost the game and didn't score very many points. Um, which is tough for a team with an offensive-minded head coach, you know, to not score any points. That seems to be his bread and butter. So, um, yeah, lost to the Miami Dolphins. We are 0 and 11, and uh, yeah, looking forward to to maybe getting that uh, that that number one overall pick coming up here in a few weeks. Well, you seem to be well on your way. Um, and so, what's the over under on how long it? it is before they fire Gase. Will they just wait till the whole season is over? I think so. I don't think they want to inspire the team by firing the coach. You, you know how that goes? <laughs> like like you fire the coach, the team's like, oh gosh, we've got this guy fired. We should really play hard now. And uh, yeah, I don't think they want to do that. So they will uh, continue to front office tank with, with Gase at the helm, I think. Gotcha. So... Uh, NFL is dealing with some COVID issues, mm-hmm. um, been a bit of a, a spike obviously across the country in many areas. And that's had an effect on the, uh, on the NFL. Uh, the, the story early in the week last week was the, uh, Steelers Ravens game, which was originally supposed to be a Thursday night, Thanksgiving night game, which was going to be the, the good game of Thanksgiving. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, got bumped back to Sunday and then Monday and now we're at Tuesday. So uh, we'll see if that, uh, if that happens. And, but that wasn't even the most interesting COVID related story out of the NFL this past weekend. John, tell us about the, the situation with the, with the Broncos here. Well, all, all the Broncos quarterbacks got contact traced or uh, tested positive themselves. I'm not sure. There's, I think there's a combination there. Uh, and they were, they were without a quarterback. And so uh, they made a request to the league office to have an assistant coach uh, play quarterback for them. And the league said no um, <laughs> in, a, in a stunning move of inflexibility by the NFL. Uh, and so they ended up having a running back. Uh, start quarterback for them yes and i if i remember seeing the stat line it was something like uh he did complete one pass i think one for nine okay for 12 something like that it was a 13 yard pass uh and i think his quarterback rating was 0.1 okay room to improve certainly yes yes yeah and staying uh, you know above zero you know there's something to say there um so yeah, just interesting that 
the Broncos were in such a desperate position that uh, they didn't have a single quarterback on their roster that they could put out there between or the regular squad somebody, and the practice squad, nothing. I'm surprised there wasn't like a wide receiver who played quarterback in high school, right? You yeah. know, because oftentimes that happens where the most athletic kid is just going to play quarterback, wide receiver, running, you know, he's just going to move around all over the field. Um, but yeah. no, none of that. Very strange. Very strange. Uh, speaking of, uh, of COVID causing uh, grief and, and havoc in the football world, we now need to turn our attention to uh, the sad state of affairs with Ohio State. So Ohio State had to pause their uh, football activities as of this past Friday. Um, there were rumors that started to leak out about uh, some positive tests in the program. And basically the night before they were to play Illinois, they canceled their, uh, their game because of uh, they, they crossed – Big Ten has got a couple of different threshold things in terms of, but they they had more than seven and a half percent of what they call their tier one uh, personnel test positive. Now, tier one includes staff, coaches, you know, support staff, all that, and players. So, out of one hundred and seventy, they had more than seven and a half percent test positive, including their head coach, Ryan Day. Yeah, that, that was the news, news bite I saw was Ryan Day tested positive. So the good news is they didn't cross the other threshold that would have demanded that they shut down um, in terms of actual percentage of positive tests. So basically what it seems like Ohio State decided was if we stop now and hopefully stop the spread, we might be able to play next week against Michigan State and then the following week against the team up north. That's looking um, dicey. Uh, I haven't heard any news out of the out of the football program in terms of you know thresholds of positive tests or anything like that. But um, and then today, uh, before we went on the air, uh, Michigan announced that they were pausing their football activities because of uh, some positive tests. So sure, it doesn't look sure. Sure. They're, yeah. they're pausing because of positive tests, not just terrible football playing. Exactly. Yeah. They did. They did lose to a winless, formerly winless now Penn state team. So in any case um, it's what, what's concerning is, is that it, Ohio state as it stands now, if they don't play these next two games will not have enough games played to qualify to play in the Big Ten championship game. Which if they don't play in the Big Ten championship game, can they can they can you justify putting them in the final four? Uh it depends. It depends on um I mean this year of of all years, if the goal is to pick who you believe to be the four best teams, then I think some of those considerations get overridden. We'll see. I'm not optimistic. Um, I, I, I have uh, bought into my, my more pessimistic nature uh, on this issue and thinking that Ohio State is not going to get to make the playoff, even if they go, um, you know, 
six and oh and uh yeah that would just be aggravating so your prediction in stone on the air here is that <laughs> they're not going to play against the spartans this weekend uh i i would not be so bold as to make a prediction in stone um ever or on this topic on on this topic <laughs> on this topic yes um if I had to guess, my suspicion is that they will not play this weekend against Sparty because every other Big Ten team that's had to pause football activities has missed two games. So unless they manage to, to really have a turn for the better in terms of uh, no more positive tests and that sort of thing, uh, I just don't know. Just doesn't seem very likely. They like yeah. they they may not. They may have one more game this year, maybe two. Because if if Michigan cancels the game because of their COVID issues, Ohio State could, if there's another Big Ten team available, could schedule another Big Ten team to get a game in. Mm. But that still probably wouldn't get them to have enough uh, to play in the Big Ten championship game. So. Well, I'll have you know that on Saturday I was watching a little college game day, or uh, I think it was Fox. Uh, not it wasn't the ESPN one. I think it was the Fox. Whatever one, Mark Sanchez was on. Uh, big noon kickoff. Big noon kickoff, and Mark Sanchez went, "Hey, I think Ohio State's not going to make the the playoff with this schedule. I think you got to put Northwestern in there," is what he said uh, on the air, and then Northwestern went on to lose their game. Yeah, I mean that was assuming that Northwestern would have would have won out, which mm-hmm. that that really wasn't much of a statement. Like if Northwestern wins out, then they get in. Well, yeah, duh. Sure. Um, but I think the bigger thing is that anyone looking at the the way the Big Ten handled returning to football could have easily predicted that a scenario like this was likely, not just possible but likely. And now here we are. So, um, yeah, the, the mood in the big 10, I think is, is pretty salty towards the, the leadership of the conference in coming up with a, with an idiotic plan that had very little chance of actually getting them through to the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, other sports news, college basketball has, has gotten underway. So, starting to see some games. One of the things I, that I love about the start of college basketball season is uh, just the, the availability of games suddenly, you know, pretty much any night of the week, almost any time of the night, you can turn on uh, ESPN, Fox sports one, something and find a, a college basketball game. So I do enjoy the return of that. That's that's where ESPN, I think it's, three, uh, which is their free online viewing. You can, you can catch a lot of college uh, basketball games. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see um, how that season unfolds. I think uh, one noteworthy thing is Kentucky lost to Richmond. Ooh. Richmond's home. always, Richmond's always got a sneaky good team though. But this is the kind of year where you could conceivably see a non- a, a non big name team make a run through the tournament. If they have the tournament though, it does look like, I think they're going to try the bubble thing um, to try to make sure the tournament can actually happen. 
So we'll yeah. see. Okay. And we're about a month away from the start of the NBA, about three weeks, actually, I think. All right. Yeah. And then we can get some regular uh, Knicks updates, right? I mean, Austin Rivers, OB Toppin. And Michael, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Kid, Kid, yes. yeah. Yes, signed a one-year deal. You're building quite the franchise there. Yeah, yeah, with number one picks, yeah. <laughs> that haven't panned out elsewhere. <laughs> That's all right. The Knicks have a history of developing, uh, you know, talented players who just haven't, uh, you know, reached their potential, right? That's right, yes. We, we have a, we, we're a nurturing franchise, really, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what's the name of the, uh, what's the name of the owner of the Mets now? The Mets? Uh, Steve, Steve Cohen. Yeah. Okay. So maybe he should buy the Knicks as well. He could afford it. I mean, he is, he's a a wealthy fella and, and loves and wants to win. So that's, uh, I I think a pretty exciting combination, you know? (laughs) Yeah. He just doesn't, he just doesn't want to make money. He wants to, he wants to win. So that's exciting. Well, speaking of things that are exciting, that brings us to our main topic for the day. And we are going to talk today about the idea of vocation, not vacation. That's what I'm on. Yeah. That's right. Not to be confused with vacation, but vocation. So, um, so John, why don't, you, why don't you get us started here with giving us just kind of a general idea of when we talk about the term vocation, what does that mean? What is that? Yeah. Um, well, first, this came out of uh, you and I reading a book uh, with some other faculty members at Grace um, on the topic of vocation and how uh, it's really important for students to understand uh, uh, what vocation is and, and why it's ultimately good for them. Um, and if I was going to describe vocation, uh, it's a little bit different than work, which you can go back. Um, goodness, what episodes are those where we talked about work? They were they were early on. Um, yeah, back in the spring, I feel like. Yeah. Um, what what I would say is the difference between vocation and uh, work would be vocation, I think, is much broader. Um, and it, I think it asks the question, not necessarily what do you do for a living or what do you do day to day, but how uh, maybe are you understanding your yourself and then how are you understanding how you as an individual are positively impacting sort of the world around you. Is that a, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think that um, often the idea of vocation uh, is uh, interconnected with this idea of calling or purpose mm-hmm. so that we're trying to understand if you, if you ask someone, what is your vocation? You're not necessarily really asking what kind of job do you have, but you're talking bigger picture about what do you see as your broader purpose? Uh, and from a theological perspective, from, from a perspective of, of being a, a Christian, I mean, we, we would start with the idea of, um, what does it look like for each individual person to live out their identity as an image bearer based on how God has gifted and wired them in terms of, uh, you know, even things like how do they, how how do we see that person fitting into the larger story of what God is doing in the world? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, um, 
I think there's a couple different kinds. When, when you talk about that calling or purpose, there's a couple there, right? There's sort of the broad callings or broad pur- purposes uh, that you and I have uh, just as humans, you know, just as um, individuals, uh, a calling to pursue Jesus, a, a calling to, to be a part of a local church, a calling to... Um, a calling to, uh, to to love our families well, you know, um, th- those are broad callings that generally apply to most people. But then there's also when, when we get down into the weeds, a more specific calling, right? Um, a calling to uh, help and train pastors, uh, uh, you know, uh, to uh, make the church uh, understand scripture better, or to help the church understand scripture better. You know, th- those those would be more vocations. Um, that, which are a little bit different than, than work. Yeah. And I think that um, the example you gave is, is helpful to think about in terms of uh, in part, because I, you've pretty much kind of described what I perceive my own vocation and calling to be in terms of uh, helping people to understand scripture better so they can more faithfully live as followers of Christ. Um, but Having said that, that doesn't automatically determine a specific job, Mm-mm. right? No. So there's a variety of different jobs that one could have to uh, that, that would be consistent with that kind of calling or purpose. Um, obviously, the one that I currently have as a professor at a, uh, at a liberal arts college and seminary very much fits with that. But I could also live out that calling as a as a pastor, um, as a as a Bible translator, mm-hmm. as you know. There's a, there's a wide variety of ways that that calling could work itself out in terms of actual job. Um, so I think that making that distinction is is helpful. Or or even you could you could have that calling and and uh, be an auto mechanic who is just a regular Sunday school teacher at his local church, um, or something. Like that that could be a way that you're able to live out that specific calling or purpose. Yeah, absolutely. And um, this is where I think um, it's interesting. I think one of the and we deal with college students often, obviously that's part of what we do as, as our, as part of our job. Uh, but one of the things that I'm always struck by is uh, I think that there are some, uh, some dangers or at least some cultural shifts with our current generation that, um, that can make this, uh, challenging. Meaning I think for a lot of, uh, a lot of people today, there seems to be this assumption that your job has to line up explicitly with and clearly with your calling. Mm-hmm. And so you, you know, you, you, sometimes you, you hear this, you know, uh, as, as you're helping, you know, high school students and college students think about, well, what kind of, what kind of career, what kind of work do you want to pursue? Um, and this is going to sound almost countercultural, but uh, I'm not always sure that the most helpful question to start with is, well, what do you want to do or what do you enjoy doing? Mm-hmm. I think that can be part of the picture, but um, it seems like that question needs to 
at least come uh, a little further down the road after larger issues of understanding uh, issues of calling and purpose and that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think a better question is probably, all right, let, let's form you into a really excellent person. Um, and then and then we can tailor you a little bit more down the road to to a specific job, maybe something that's that's in your calling. Um, because I, I know for goodness, for for me, um, I I think I still struggle with the question of purpose and 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 what specifically is my calling, so to speak. Uh, and you know, just trying to uh, you know asking my eighteen year old self, um, which was a while ago now. Uh, what do you want to do, you know, or, or what, what is your purpose? What is your role? It feels like a really big question. And I, I think that's what you're getting at. Um, and so I think asking, how do we form a better person and how do we prepare this person for a uh, very unique world? Um, and and um, so, so I really agree with your point. I, I think I'd add to that. There, there's another thing that I worry about with our current college student, current generation um, is that we don't, uh, is that I, I do see a lot of students get out and don't uh, work at their job or purpose long enough. Um, there, there's sort of a belief that this should be, this should come naturally, this should come really easily uh, and shouldn't be difficult at all um, because it's my calling, because it's my purpose. Um, and I, I, think, I think there is a piece of the modern generation that is missing a working really hard at this for a long time. Um, being a part of the grind, uh, the day in and day out of doing the hard labor of a, of a, of a job or of a calling or, or something like that. Um, and I think that's another piece of me that's missing. I don't think it's against what you just said, but I, I think it works together with. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think too, that too often in our culture, we, we can look to find fulfillment in a job Mm-hmm. And that that, that gets uh, complicated and, um, and confusing as well, right? That if you expect your job to provide you with a certain kind of fulfillment, um, inevitably you're, you're, going to, you're going to be disappointed um, at some level. And I think that, you know, I, I, I'm currently working my way through, uh, through a book that uh, I'm sure at some point you'll be picking up as well. It's uh, Carl Truman's book, the 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 rise and triumph uh, of the of the modern self, and um, it's interesting. He he talks about how if you um, on this issue of fulfillment in, in in your work, he says if I would have asked my grandfather who worked in a sheet metal factory if he found fulfillment in his work. He probably wouldn't understand the question, and if he and and if you asked him, he would probably say, "Well, I I find fulfillment in it in the sense that it enables me to do what I want to do, meaning provide for my family and give them the kind of life and experiences that they that I want to give them. So it's a means to an end, but not an end of an, in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Whereas he said today, if you ask me as a professor. Um, you know, do you find fulfillment in your job or do you enjoy your job? The temptation based on our culture is to think, do I get a sort of internal sense of enjoyment out of it? That's what we're looking for, for fulfillment. When we say, does this job bring me fulfillment? 
and he, you know, that's all part of his larger argument about how uh, our understanding of ourselves has radically changed in the last, you know, three, four hundred years. But I think it's relevant to calling in terms of this idea of if you start with understanding, biblically speaking, who God made us all as human beings to be, who he calls us to be as Christians, and then to start think about uh, thinking about, well, how has God wired me and gifted me in certain areas, and how might I best find context to use those gifts and, and to, uh, to serve God and serve other people with that? I, I think that's uh, what you're mentioning finding finding fulfillment in a in a job or or, uh, or in a in a in a role of some kind um, is really prevalent in particularly American cities. Um, I was I, I heard a, a Grace graduate who's is a guy I went to college with. Um, he was speaking at Grace. He went on to Ohio State Law School, graduated number one in his class. Uh, and was recruited by uh, law firms, um, I think all across the country, ended up in Manhattan. And uh, he got there. And one of the first things uh, that he noticed being, you know, a Midwest kid uh, was that the law firms uh, uh, highly recommended you not get a pet uh, because they didn't want you going home to take care of your pet. They wanted you at the office. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's not just... Uh, the individual feeling this it's part of the larger ecosystem of employment work that, that we find ourselves in. Um, and, uh, the, the companies, uh, are, are just as guilty as, as everybody else in, in the midst of this. Yeah. Uh, as and, well. and I think too, this, and this is one of the places where in the higher education world, we feel, um, a bit of a tension in that, um, more and more now, uh, a college education is viewed as a as a means of getting the necessary kind of credentialing uh, to get a specific kind of job or to get a job, a job mm-hmm. that will provide for your needs. And and obviously, we want students who graduate to get jobs. <laughs> I mean, clearly, sure. But. Um, it seems as though if that's, if that becomes the ultimate purpose of the university of the college, uh, then we we've made a massive shift in thinking about how education works and what the role of education is in terms of forming a human being and creating a certain kind of human being, shaping people to be certain kinds of people uh, along with obviously Hopefully, giving them the necessary skills and, and knowledge to get a to, to get a job, to be sure. But um, those are some of the tensions that uh, I think you know we experience in the higher ed world. Yeah, a- absolutely, and and there seems to be a great pressure on higher ed these days to to produce uh, job ready graduates or um, people that are uh, ready to enter the workforce and just you know, dominate, hit the ground running, so to speak. Yeah. I feel, I feel that tension a lot where, you know, I, I do sit down with a lot of prospective students and a lot of parents and I talk to them about programs and different things like that. And the, one of the, one of the questions I always get is what kind of job can my son or daughter uh, get with this certain degree? Um, and that's, yeah, that seems to be a high value 
um, that's out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and as a parent who has had one child graduate from college and another who is currently in college, that's a very understandable question. Yeah. Um, the, the challenge becomes not allowing that to drive everything Mm -hmm. in terms of how the institution approaches, uh, coursework and, and all other sorts of things. Like, uh, I think that's, that, that becomes part of the challenge as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, doc, anything, anything you recommend reading on, on the topic? I know we've just scratched the surface here of it. Um, and even have talked about some of the issues and so, some ways that it's helpful, but a- anything you recommend? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think I, I'll be perfectly honest. I have not done a ton of reading in this area. So, um, I mean, one of the classic texts is by Oz Guinness called the call. Um, that mm-hmm. was, uh, yeah, that book's over 20 years old, but they did release an updated, uh, edition of that. Um, that's something that would be, uh, would be helpful. Um, and then, uh, the other recommended resource we we've got listed here is by Kevin DeYoung called just do something. And it's about kind of, you know, sort of following God's will for your life. Uh, that can feel like a, a, a challenging topic to take on and depending on how you handle it, it can feel very paralyzing. I think. Hmm. Um, I I'd also recommend uh, reading church history on this topic is, is pretty rich um, particularly by the reformers. Martin Luther in particular had, had a great deal to say um, about work vocation uh, the, those sorts of topics. And um, one of the quotes, and I see it, all over the place from it's on the number of, it's on a number of people's email signatures that I see. But one of the quotes attributed to him is that um, we know a Christian shoemaker is a good shoemaker, not because he puts little crosses on the shoes, but because he makes good shoes, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think going back and reading Luther uh, can be really helpful on this topic as well. Yeah. He's a, he's a very key figure on this because he was helpful in, breaking down the um, the sort of secular sacred dichotomy that had become part and parcel of the Roman Catholic approach oh, yeah. to these kinds of issues mm-hmm. that, um, you know, and it still shows up today. You know, we, we get, we get some, in some pockets of the church, you get this idea of, well, the really spiritual calling is to go into ministry. And if you're not called to do that, then it's just like, ah, oh, whatever, you know, you, you just, you just, you have a secular job or a, or somehow your calling is less, um, less significant, less important, less valuable, less spiritual. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's just not the case biblically speaking. So I think that, um, you know, Luther can, can be very helpful in, in reminding us of the priesthood of all believers, that all of us are made as God's people to mediate God's presence, whether that's working in an accounting firm, whether that's um, digging ditches, whether that's uh, teaching the Bible, uh, whether that's serving food at a restaurant, all of us are called to be conduits of God's presence and grace wherever we are. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and can I know we don't have any listed down. Do you have any Luther books or passages that would be 
um, on that topic. If not, we I can try to find some before we post tomorrow and and tag them. But yeah, I don't have one. I don't have one handy. Um, okay, but we can see if we can scrounge one up for the show notes. Yeah, yeah, we can certainly do that. Um, well, Doc, are we ready to talk about athlete for the week? Yeah, episode forty-eight. So who do 48. we got? Yeah, well, uh, first and foremost on our list um, is one Jacob Degrom, uh, back-to-back Cy Young winner uh, for the Mets, current pitcher, uh, very good, quiet demeanor, um, constantly adding something to his pitching repertoire, which I've appreciated as a Mets fan over the years. Um, yeah, just a just a really consistent professional. Um. Next, we have Tory Hunter, who played uh, outfield for the Twins uh, for a number of years. I remember watching him in All Star games. He was he was a lot of fun. Uh, a gifted, long career, yeah, yeah, gifted, gifted player. Um, and then probably one of the more fun players uh, in the league uh, to this day, Pablo Sandoval, um, Kung Fu Panda. Uh, one of the came, great baseball nicknames. Yeah, yeah, he was coming to prominence with the Giants just as that movie was coming out, and he's a he's a porklier fella and uh <laughs> you know and, and so the nickname fit but he's pretty athletic as well and played third base for the for some of uh, i think he won one or two world series with the giants he was he was quite good and then do you want to walk us through an ohio state player yeah so uh not a lot to pick from on number 48 here uh brian bashnagel was a running back in the early 70s that uh was uh, was a pretty important performer for them. So uh, I don't know a ton about him since he was playing when I was born. So, uh, but John, out of this list, I have my suspicion as to who you might like to go with. But you know, let's just let's just confirm this. Who who, who would you like to, to to name the episode after? Oh, Jacob Degrom for sure. Okay, that's uh, yep, that's where I'm at. Where are you at? I'm good with that. I don't have a strong uh, inclination towards that. I mean, he's, you know, the only, I, I say the only strike against him is the fact that he's only been in the league for about six, six or seven years. So doesn't have the longevity yet, but they've been six or seven really strong years with what'd you say? Two Cy Young awards in there? Two Cy Young. And he was a finalist this year uh, for the Cy yeah. Young. Yeah. Terrific so. pitcher. So let's, let's go with uh, Jacob deGrom. Jacob DeGrom. Love it. All right. One thing we liked. Who wants to go first here, Doc? Uh, I can go first. Okay. So uh, I have a pretty firm policy in the Harmon household of no Christmas music before Thanksgiving. Um, And as a general rule, I'm not a big fan of Christmas music. Let me clarify what I mean by that. I hate the sort of vacuous, uh, popular you know, kind of uh, Christmas music that bombards the airwaves that has no, um, you know, Christian or religious significance to it. Cannot stand that kind of Christmas music. So wait, even, even nostalgic Christmas music, nope. like Elvis nope. blue Christmas or nope. despise it. Okay. Wow. I, I don't think I was aware of this. Yes. So um, in in the Harmon household, no Christmas music before Thanksgiving, but I actually slightly um, violated my own principle here because one of my uh, one of the artists that I keep a, a, an eye on is a is a woman named Carolyn Cobb, hmm. 
and she does um, a, a lot of good biblical theology in her songs. So she released an Advent album called A Seed, A Sunrise, Advent to Christmas Songs. And so that released the Friday before Thanksgiving. And I, I, I must confess, I did uh, download that and begin listening to it in advance of Thanksgiving. So hmm. that's my one thing I liked this week. What does your pen- penance look like for listening to Christmas music before Thanksgiving? Um, I don't know that I, ha- I, 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 I'm not Catholic, John. So, um, okay. <laughs> I, I don't believe in penance. Okay. Um, well, my one thing, uh, I am on vacation, which means I have a book with me. Um, and this book, uh, was so well titled. I think I had to bring it up. Um, it's called hot Protestants, uh, a history of Puritanism or Puritans in England and America, uh, so I'm, I'm just getting into it three or two or three chapters deep. Um, and uh, it's been fantastic thus far. Okay. Yes, that is a uh, an, an attention-grabbing title, to be sure. Yeah, and I think it comes from somebody in the 1500s saying, these hotter kind of Protestants <laughs> are called Puritans or so, something like that, you know? Um, so... Uh, f- fascinating title. And it's fun to see, like, I'm in, in the 15, 1500s right now and to see some of the seeds being planted of, of Puritanism and sort of like, oh, I, re- I recognize that, you know, as as uh, it's marching through English history at the moment. Gotcha. So are you, is that is that the only uh, leisure reading you brought along with you or did you bring more? Um, that's the one I'm dipping into now. Uh, I have another Wright Thompson novel. Uh, Wright Thompson's a, a sports writer. Um, he wrote one about a, a bourbon family in Kentucky that I'm also reading right now. Okay. All right. Well, I think that, uh, we have reached our, our point of, of being able to say mission accomplished. Wouldn't you agree? I think so. Yeah. I, th- I think we need to, to put an end, put a wrap to this episode so you can get back to your vacation. Yeah. I got to get, I got to get, I got a lot of relaxing to do. So, okay. Well, we, we definitely don't want to be responsible for, um, for keeping you any longer than that, than we need to. So uh, our next episode will be recorded back in the lovely confines of the state of Indiana, I believe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I get back Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember which. Nice. Nice. Well, uh, appreciate you taking time out of your busy vacation schedule to record an app. Oh, no problem. Yeah. And, uh, thank you to our listeners for, for joining us today. Pray that, uh, you as well are enjoying your week. And if you'd like to, uh, spread the good news about the podcast, feel free to do so on social media. And, uh, I think that's all that's left to say at this point is, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.